What's up, guys? Brian Ratliff here. Just wanted to say thank you for tuning in to Keep the Faith Podcast. Grab your Bibles and let's dig in to the Word of God. Today, before we get started, I I could use your help on finishing a couple of Bible verses. Maybe you can help me out. I don't know. I want to see how knowledgeable you are, and and I want you to realize how much of a Bible scholar you are. So help me out now. I can do all things through There you go. Good job. Good job. How about this one? To whom much is given, much is? Yeah, required. Excellent. The truth shall set you free or make you free. Absolutely. Now let's let's switch gears now. Let's now obviously we're here mainly in the Bible, but but there are some quotes that are famous that you might know that I want you to help me out on. The only thing we have to fear is Yeah, you knew that one, didn't you? Good job. All right, how about how about this one? There's no place like Yeah. If you build it, they will All right. Here's one in philosophy. I think, therefore, all right, not as many knew that one. Oh, not many philosophers in here today, huh? All right, how about this one? Keep your friends close, but your, yeah, you knew that one, huh? I've got one more for you. Behind every great man is a, hmm. little debate about this, huh? Yeah. Some of the men were hesitant on that one, weren't they? You know, as I was meditating in Hebrews chapter 11, obviously, you know, we've walked through this hallway of faith and we've seen so many characters that are mentioned by name, but we come to Samuel's name and the reality is, is that some of these quotes that we just talked about, some of them are generally true. They're not always true. Because sometimes behind a, a great woman, there was a great man who influenced her and her life. And sometimes behind a, a great man, there was a great woman also behind that man, inspiring them and motivating them. And it's interesting, when you come to Hebrews chapter 11 and the writer emphasizes Samuel, all he says is his name. But the reality is, if I may, I'm not trying to add anything to the word of God, but as I add to the story of Samuel and his faith being mentioned here, I would like to say that the faith of Samuel is is more than just his faith alone. Because behind this man who would become to be a prophet and a priest and a judge, he was the last judge and the first prophet that came on the scene in a transitional period from a time of the judge's era, 300 years from Joshua until Saul, and Samuel's the final one, and God raises him up. But before we get to Samuel, we find the faith of a woman named, do you know the name? Hannah. That's right. Hannah, the mother of Samuel. And I am am willing to go out on a limb and say that Samuel would not be in the position that we read about in First and Second Samuel and beyond in the text if it was not for his mother 
and the prayer that she prayed on his behalf. So listen, if you're here today and you're married to a woman of prayer or a spiritual woman, you ought to thank God for her. If you're here today and you have a mother who is very spiritual and who insists that you gather together amongst God's people and you read the Bible, or if you're here today and you have a grandmother who is very spiritual and has influenced you in your walk with Jesus, we ought to pause and just say, God, thank you for that woman. And so you cannot talk about the faith of Samuel without first considering the life and ministry of Hannah. And we're going to get into that momentarily. The title of my sermon is simply The Faith of Samuel. But if I could leave you with a thought today, here's the thought I want you to walk away with. I've been thinking and wrestling my mind of Samuel's life. And, and I thought, well, what exactly is Samuel's life relaying to us today? And I think this is it. A life of faith seeks to live for the glory of God. A life of faith seeks to live for the glory of God. It's interesting. When you study the life of Samuel, he obviously was not Jesus. He was not perfect by any way, shape, or form. But the writers of Scripture do not seem to highlight some of the areas of his faults. It highlights the fact that from a young age, Samuel was dedicated to be used for the glory of God. At a young age, Samuel was called to be used for the glory of God. And throughout his life, Samuel was used for the glory of God. And he gave God glory. When he would go to pray on behalf of Israel, he would seek God and seek to give God glory for everything. So today, as we think about Samuel's life, I can't help but think about how if I want to live a life of faith, I have to live in such a way that is reflecting all the glory back to God in everything. And so that being said, here, here's a question I want to ask us today and I want to meditate on. What does Samuel's life of faith teach us about the Christian life? Samuel's life is, is a little over 3,000 years into the past. So sometime uh, between 1050 BC to around 1000 BC-ish, give or take a few years, Samuel is on the scene. And so there's 3,000 plus years removed between our existence and Samuel's life. So what can we even learn? Well, I think there's a lot we can learn from the life of Samuel. And I think there's, there's three major scenes that I want to kind of walk through. Obviously, if you've ever studied the Bible, you know that the events and acts and ministry of Samuel occurs in 1 Samuel chapter 1 all the way to 1 Samuel chapter 25. So I, I didn't want to try to preach to you 25 chapters today because we'd be here for maybe, you know, three and a half, four and a half hours. So I figured that what we would do today is summarize his life the best that I can. And if it's not good enough for you, I'll let you do the sermon next week. How about that? So if you have your Bibles there, let's keep in mind, <coughs> excuse me, here in Hebrews chapter 11, most likely Paul, I know there's debate about it, but I lean towards Paul is preaching a sermon and he's coming down to the end of his sermon after this section of highlighting these great characters of faith and he begins to just mention these by name. And so he mentions Samuel, expecting the audience to know who Samuel was. And so you might be here today and you maybe have never heard of Samuel. Or maybe you have heard of Samuel, but you couldn't get up here or in a classroom and you couldn't summarize his life. And so today, I want us to summarize his life so we can understand how his life was used for the glory of God and it can inspire us to better live the Christian life. 
So take your Bibles now and let's go back to the Old Testament, 1 Samuel. And if you're having a trouble finding it, it is right before 2 Samuel, all right? 1 Samuel chapter number one. And the first thought I want to relate to you, the first lesson. Now, as we walk through these points today, I have a little phrase that I want to just kind of summarize the scene of Samuel's life. And then I have a point of application. And then I have some thoughts about that point of application. It's going to help us walk through Samuel's life, all right? So the outline is going to be a tad bit different, but I think it'll, it'll be easily understood when you see it. So number one, the call of Samuel. This is found in chapters 1, 2, and 3 of 1 Samuel. So let's go back to 1 Samuel and let's look at chapter 1. It is in chapter 1 of 1 Samuel that we see a mother desiring to have a child. But this mother, Hannah, was barren. She could not have a child for some reason or another. Her husband was Elkanah, and he did, in fact, have two wives, Hannah and another. And we're not going to get into that today, but I will just say this, that God's design for marriage is between one woman and one man, not a polygamous affair. It just never works out. And all you have to do is read 1 Samuel chapter 1 and you'll find that the background is simply this, is that, that Hannah is living in a household where she and another woman is married to the same man. And the other woman is able to have children and had, had children. And there, because she had children, she began to scoff and ridicule and make fun of Hannah because Hannah could not have children. Now, let me just pause and say this. Maybe you're here today and you have children. Maybe you're here today and God never allowed you to have children. Both are a gift from God. I assure you, if you, in the providence of God, were able to have a child, God knew that you were able to handle that child or those children. If you're here today and, and you have children, they are the blessing of God that God has given you to oversee and help and steer in your life. But if you're here today and you don't have any children, it is God's blessing because for some reason or another, God did not see fit for you to have children. It's all in God's providence and sovereign plan, okay? Both are a gift. If you have children, you have the gift of rearing them in the fear and admonition of God. If you don't have children, you have the gift of being able to have more time to reach out and share the gospel and mentor people who are not your biological children. That said, Hannah goes to the place of worship and she is full of sorrow. And let me share something with you. In chapter one of 1 Samuel, it is a reminder to us today that if we're ever going through a hard time, the best place to go is on our knees to God in prayer. And that's what Hannah did. She goes to the temple, the place of worship, and there she is praying. There is she. She is pouring out her heart to God. And that's something I think we've lost in the modern age. We've lost a sense of getting lost in the wilderness of prayer and seeking God. And there she was. And she was praying to God so fervently, so passionately, and so movingly that Eli, the priest, looks and says, well, (laughs) she's done had one too many glasses of wine. She's drunk. And Hannah assured him, I am not drunk. I am pouring out my heart before God. 
And Eli looks to her. And in verse 17, I like this verse. He says, go in peace and the God of Israel will grant you your petition that you have asked of him. That's amazing. That is an affirmation here that Hannah at one time was barren, could not have children. And God steps in and says, I have seen you, my daughter, and now you will have a child. And she rises up and and goes back home and and all these different things. and, And she gives birth to a child in verses 19 down to verse number 23. And she bore a son in verse 20. The Bible says in verse 19 that Elkanah, Hannah's, Hannah's husband, he, they came together and God remembered them. And verse 20, she conceived and bare a son. He called his name Samuel or Samuel because I have asked him of the Lord. So it is in this scene that we observe Samuel's birth. But then it is in at the end of chapter 1, verse 24 through 28, and in chapter 2, we see Samuel's childhood. Now see, as Hannah was praying to God, she prayed and asked God for a, for a child, for a son, and said, God, if you give me this child, I will dedicate this child to be used for your glory and in the temple. And that was a common thing back in the life of Israel that most, li- most of the time they would dedicate the firstborn to be used for the service of God at the temple. And so this is exactly what takes place. The Bible says at the end of chapter 1 that after Samuel was weaned from his mother's milk and we see that she takes him along with these animals to go make a sacrifice there at the temple and at a time of worship. And there she gives over the child that God gave her to serve in the temple. How about that? We'll come back to that later on in the message. But she dedicated her son to be used for the glory of God. And in chapter 2, we see that that prayer she prays and then Samuel is delivered to Eli, the priest. And verse 18 of chapter 2, I want to draw you to this one verse. As Samuel was a little child, he was ministering before the Lord. In other words, all it means is he was serving in the temple for the Lord. And it says that as a little child, he was girded with a linen ephod. Now, if you know anything about the Old Testament, you know that is what the priest would wear. This is symbolizing one day that this little boy is going to become a priest serving God on behalf of the children of Israel. And so Samuel's childhood is he lived in the temple. He was mentored by Eli the priest. But then in chapter 3, chapter 3, is where this young little boy is, don't know exactly how old he was at this time. I'm not even going to try to guess. And if you ever read somebody in a commentary that says they know, the reality is they don't know. He was at some point a little boy, maybe even a teenager. I'm going to lean towards a little boy and he's sleeping and he hears a voice. And he runs to Eli and says, Eli, Eli, you, call, you have called me. And I'm sure the priest is an aged man 
and he might be a little irritable if he's woken up at night and he says, I didn't call you, go back to bed. And he goes back to bed and he hears that voice again. And he goes and he says, Eli, you have called me. And he said, no, I didn't call you, little boy. Go back to bed. And then the third time, Samuel hears that voice and he goes to Eli. And in the third moment, Eli recognized that this is probably God speaking to him. And so he said to the young little boy, when you hear the voice another time, say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. And so that's what he did. And it is in 1 Samuel chapter 3 that this little young boy receives a word from God. And it is the beginning in chapter 2. We see the beginning of his role as a priest. But then we see right here in chapter 3 his beginning as a role of a prophet. Where God spoke to him. And then he had the responsibility of giving Eli the message. Saying, Eli, God said that your sons are going to die because of their disobedience. And that's exactly what happened. And so this is the call of Samuel. Now, as we think about these three chapters, and of course, we're thinking about how a life of faith seeks to live for the glory of God. Here's what I want to share with you from this first scene in the call of Samuel. Every believer is called to bring glory to God. Every person who knows Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior is commissioned, is called, is summoned by God to use their life for his glory and to bring him glory. God is calling you. Do you ever get tired of your cell phone? I mean, how attached are we to these phones? I mean, have you ever left home without your cell phone and turned around and went back to get it? I mean, wouldn't it be nice if we were as just as dedicated to the word of God as we were to this little device right here? We are so tied to this device that there's so many times when I'm just on my daily routine, I leave my phone on vibrate. Maybe you do. Maybe you have the ring on. Sometimes I flip the ring on. But I felt this phone vibrate and, and I get it out and there was no notification. Like we're so used to these phones that, that we hear them ring even though they did not ring. We feel them vibrate even though they did not vibrate. We're so used to it. But we're so attached to it because we know that somebody might be texting us. Somebody might be calling us. And so we got to check that call. We got to answer that phone call. But the problem is, is I feel like so many people have taken the ringtone from heaven and put it on silence. You ever done that before? Somebody's calling you. I don't have time to talk to that person. Throw that phone away. Or, <laughs> I surely don't want to talk to that person. They just, oh man, they annoy me. Or, you know, that, that the person that texts you and you don't text them back for two and a half, three months later. That's the worst, man. I hate that. It's a pet peeve of mine. But nonetheless, I say all I have to say this, that every believer is called to bring glory to God. God is calling you right now to do that. But now let's look at the second scene in Samuel's life. We see his call in the beginning years of his life, but then... The chapters began to roll and we see the acts of Samuel. Samuel begins to be called by God, not just only to bring glory to him, but specifically to bring glory to God by being Israel's judge, by bringing glory to God, by being Israel's prophet and 
to bring glory to God by being Israel's priest. So let's consider him as a judge. Now you remember the book of Judges is a time period in Israel's past where they were living life at its worst. They were spiraling downward and downward, running away from God. They would have little moments when God would deliver them, but each time they would be given over back to the Philistines or some other surrounding nation. And it is in this moment where God raises up the final judge, Samuel. And Samuel is there as a transition to usher in this time period of kings coming on Israel like the other nations. But it is in 1 Samuel chapter 7, I want to draw you your attention to, to one particular passage, well really two, um, 1 Samuel chapter 7 and 1 Samuel chapter 8. But it is in 1 Samuel chapter 7 verses 9 through 13 that we see that Samuel is, is in a sense acting as a judge over Israel. And, and specifically in verse number 15, the Bible says that Samuel judged Israel all the days of his life. Did you see that in verse, seven, verse 15? But now jump down to verse number um, 16. It says, and he went from year to year in circuit to Bethlehem and Gilgal and Mizpah and judged Israel in all those places. And then verse 17, and his return was to Ramah for there was his house and there he judged Israel and there he built an altar to God. It is in this section that we see God raised him up to be the judge to oversee. And it is in chapter seven that he's a judge like the judges of the book of Judges who also delivered Israel out of one of their enemies' hands. But then also, if you jump over to chapter eight, it is in chapter eight in verses one through five that we see specifically in verse one, it says that when Samuel was old, he was an older man now, and he made his sons judges over Israel. But the problem was, is Samuel's sons were not living godly lives. And so the people of Israel said, we don't want your sons to be our judges, Samuel. We want a king like all the other nations. And so it is in chapter eight that they begin that discussion and he begins that prayer uh, on behalf of God, seeking God. And then originally I included chapter number 10 and 16 here about how Samuel, yes, he was the judge over Israel, but he also anointed David as king and anointed Saul as king. But I really think that is underneath the role of a priest. And we'll get to that a little bit later. But originally I put it right there. But I want to draw your attention down to the book of Acts chapter 13. In Acts chapter 13, we find a sermon. It's preached by one of the figures in the early church, and they mention Samuel by name. Acts 13 and verse number 20. So sometime between 300 and 500 years is the span of, of the judges from Joshua till Samuel, give or take a few years. But in Acts chapter 13, Paul is preaching at Antioch and Pisidia. And he mentions Samuel. Verse 20 says, And after that he gave unto them judges about the space of 450 years until Samuel the prophet. And afterward they desired a king, and God gave them Saul, the son of Kis, a man of the tribe of Benjamin, by the space of 40 years. And it goes on to speak of David and all these other things. But it's interesting that in the book of Acts, these writers, these preachers understood Samuel was a judge and he was a prophet. So that's bringing us to Samuel as a prophet. In chapter three, we already discovered how he had his first prophecy, if you will, that 
the sons of Eli would die. But it is also in chapter 7 and verse number 3, we see him functioning as a prophet would. There's times that a prophet would come on the scene and they would be speaking about the future things that, that God has given to them. But then there's times that a prophet comes on the scene and they are calling the Israelites to repentance. To say, hey, get right with God and serve him. And so in 1 Samuel chapter 7 and verse 3, we see that Samuel is inviting the people of Israel to return to God, stop, to stop worshiping all these false gods and serve the true God, Yahweh, Jehovah. Then again in chapter 13, Samuel is preaching again, if you will, as a prophet. Verses 11 through 14. But this time, his message is not directed to the entirety of Israel. His message is directed to one specific Israelite and is the one leading Israel and his name is Saul. And he comes to Saul and he says that you have done foolishly and God is going to remove you as king. And he does. And it's in chapter 15, where we'll come to and look at it later specifically, that he says, God desires obedience rather and sacrifice. Samuel is a prophet, but he's not just a prophet for telling the future of the near future of Israel. In Acts chapter 3 and verse 24, we find the early church believed that Samuel was one who was anointed by God to also speak about a future coming of the Messiah. So in Acts chapter 3, verse 24, it says, Yea, and all the prophets from Samuel and those that followed after, as many as have spoken, have likewise foretold of these days. Speaking about how the Messiah would come, the Messiah would die, the Messiah would be resurrected, the Messiah would ascend, the Messiah would send his spirit, or the, the Messiah promised that the spirit of God would come, and the spirit of God did come. And he's saying that the outpouring of God's spirit is coming to the church here in the book of Acts. And so the book of Acts is affirming to us that Samuel was a prophet. Now, I, I have tried... Now, maybe if you can find one for me, you, you can help me out. But I haven't been able to, to locate from 1 Samuel chapter 1 to 1 Samuel chapter 25 of a specific, a very precise, specific moment when Samuel says something about the Messiah. Maybe it's in there. I just overlooked it. So if you can find it, please let me know. But what I can say this is that even though we don't have a specific prophecy of Samuel declaring the good news found in the Messiah, I know that there was times in Samuel's ministry, just like all the prophets, where they're pointing the Israelites to the true king God and how he is going to send the Messiah. So Samuel, as a prophet, is lumped in the whole of how all the prophets are pointing to us God's redemptive plan of salvation. Now let's look at this one. Samuel as a priest. When we think of a priest, we often think about how he's got to load up his garments. He's got to, you know, go into the, the sacrificial systems and get the animal, slay the animal, put the blood on the altar, all those sorts of things. But a priest is just one who also cared for the day-to-day -day needs of the Israelites. And Samuel did that most of all in his life through prayer. 
In fact, there's a common theme, not just about how Samuel's life was dedicated to be used for the glory of God, but Samuel was a man of prayer. And I think that, that because his mother was a man of prayer, that at some point along the way, he heard the story about how his mother Samuel came to the temple and prayed that God would give her a child and a son. And, and if, he, if God gave her that son, then she would dedicate it to be used for God. And so Samuel heard that. And so it is in 1 Samuel chapter 7 where Samuel begins to pray on behalf of the people of Israel. 1 Samuel chapter 7 Verse 8 and verse 9, the Bible says that on behalf of these Israelites, when they were trying to overcome the Philistines, Samuel is being requested by the children of Israel to pray to the God of Israel. And in verse 9, he takes a, a, an animal, he offers it for the Lord as a sacrifice. And the Bible says in verse 9 that he cries out to the Lord God of Israel, and the Lord heard him. Aren't you thankful today that we serve a God who hears and answers prayer? It is in chapter 8, verses 6 through 9, that we see Samuel is, is here. He, after he hears this news, oh, wow, they don't want my children, my, my two sons. Well, they're not living for God, but, but they want a king like all the other nations, God. And what should I do? When Samuel didn't know what to do, he went to God for advice. And God gave him direction. And he said, hearken to them and give them a king. And then again in chapter 12, Samuel is praying. He's calling upon God. Specifically, verse 16 says, Now therefore stand and see this great thing which the Lord will do before your eyes. He's calling down for, for God to do something miraculous. And he, and he says in verse 17, is not, we, is not wheat harvest today? I will call unto the Lord, and he shall send thunder and rain, that you may perceive and see that your wickedness is great, which you have done in the sight of the Lord God, and asking you a king. So Samuel calls out to God. And then his, his role as a priest was, was not only to take care of the needs and to steer them in the direction in which they should go to live for God, but also in chapter 10, he came and he anointed and pours the oil over Saul, anoints Saul as king, but then as Saul lost his way, in chapter 16 of Samuel, we see that Samuel goes to the house of Jesse and finds a little young man named David, and there he anoints him by pouring oil over him. I think it's interesting in Psalm 99 and in Jeremiah 15, the psalmist and the prophet Jeremiah likened unto how powerful this man's prayer life was. And so let me just share this with you. You should never underestimate the power of prayer. And so how can you be used by God? I believe you can be used by God by simply praying to God about the day-to-day -day needs, not just in our church, but also in your life and other people's lives that you know. So here's the point of application. Every believer can be used for the glory of God. Every believer can be used for the glory of God. I apologize for the typo there. And so I invite you, the acts in your life, you don't have to be a judge. You don't have to be a prophet. You don't have to be a priest. 
but you can be a man or a woman of prayer that says, I'm going to get up a little bit earlier. I'm going to stay up a little bit later. I'm going to use my lunch break the full hour. I'll take a portion of that hour of not just eating, but also seeking God and lifting up requests to him in prayer. I believe if you do some of those little small things like that, God can use you for his glory. But then thirdly and finally, I want to consider the death of Samuel. I know it's kind of a sobering thought or not the most exciting thing to talk about. But we see Samuel's life began with a woman's prayer. And it ends in chapter 25. So I want to draw your attention to 1 Samuel chapter 25. I just want to read one verse from this text. After all of Samuel's acts, and we, we didn't even cover half of them. So much could we talk about. But after he accomplished all those things for God's glory, the Bible says that he died. In verse 1. And all the Israelites were gathered together and lamented him and buried him in his house at Ramah, or Ramah. And David arose and went down to the wilderness of Paran, or Paran. As I think about this scene, I thought about this point of application. Every believer will behold the glory of God. You see, Samuel's life began with a woman dedicating her son for the glory of God. Samuel's life throughout the course of his years, from his childhood all the way to his dying breath, was dedicated to the use of the glory of God and then when he walked through that doorway death, there he beheld the magnificent, the glorious splendor of Jehovah God that he strongly believed in. But you know, there was a time in his life when he was not a believer, even though he was serving in the temple. And I have a Bible verse for you. It's in 1 Samuel chapter 2 and verse number 7. The Bible says that in 1 Samuel uh, chapter 2 and in verse number 7, looks like I, I wrote down the wrong verse here. But there's a verse in here where it speaks about, maybe it's 17. Um, no, not that one. But there, anyways, there's a verse in here that says that, that he did not know the Lord. Excuse me, I think it's chapter 3 and verse 7. There it is, chapter 3 and verse number 7. It says, now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. Neither was the word of the Lord yet revealed to him. The moment when he began to hear, or so he thought he heard Eli speaking. So there was a moment in your life when you did not yet know the Lord, but God was calling you and seeking you. Isn't that amazing? That so many times we, 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 get, we try to get in all these debates about what these words mean in the New Testament and beyond. But I'm here to tell you something. The word chosen and elect, those are words that are to encourage us that for some reason our life is bigger than ourselves. And God had a providential plan for you and for me to be used for his glory. And just as God chose Samuel for his use, God has chose you for his use. And that should encourage us today that God has set us aside as believers to be used for his purpose. But then I can't help but think about Samuel and his death. We realized he was a believer, but also he was a preacher. And, and the words that ring into my mind when I think about Samuel is his confrontation to Saul. So I want to take you there. 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 22. It is in this passage when Saul 
was commanded to annihilate this other people group. And he said, well, we're going to keep some of the stuff for sacrifice to God. And Samuel comes to him and he says, hath not the, hath the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to hearken than the fat of rams. And he says in verse 23, for rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Because thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, he hath also rejected thee from being king. It is in this moment that we see Samuel. Yes, he was a prophet preacher. Declaring the word of God with courage and boldness. And so today, my friends, we've got to share God's word with boldness. We have to. And then finally, think about this. Samuel was a believer in his death. We look back and we see him as a believer. We look back, we see him as a preacher, but we also see him as a writer. Now, there might be a little bit of debate about some of this stuff, but scholars as a whole believe Samuel was the earthly writer of the book of Judges, the book of Ruth, 1 Samuel, and portions of 2 Samuel. And so that said, how do you want to be remembered? One of these days, I'm just going to tell you the sobering reality is, is your life is not going to last forever. I mean, you could, you could walk your 10,000 steps a day. You could go to the gym five days a week. You could eat bananas for breakfast, apples for lunch, and pears for dinner. I don't know. You could eat so healthy and perfect. You could take all your supplements and vitamins. You could get all your shots if you do those things, or if you don't do those things, don't do that. And anyways, you could do all these things that they tell us of what to do to take care of our body, and you could just drop dead or get in a car accident and be gone out of here. So I'm here to tell you something. Yes, we're called to be good stewards of this body God has given to us, but one day... We will breathe our last breath. And I don't know about you, but I'm excited about the day that I get to behold the magnificent glory of God, the one that stepped into this reality and drew me to himself and gloriously saved me. And he did the same for you. But you know, I can't help but think about Hannah, of course, when I think about Samuel. But I cannot help but think about Jesus when I think about the life of Samuel. In conclusion, I just want to land this plane by pointing us all through Samuel to our glorious Savior. You see, just as Hannah vowed to dedicate her son to God, Mary visited, was visited by an angel affirming her son will be dedicated to God. And just as Hannah sacrificed her son to the temple, God would one day send his son to be a sacrifice for the sins of this world so that all who call upon him can believe the good news of the gospel. Samuel served Eli the priest in the temple just as Jesus, as a little 12-year-old boy, walked into the temple of the religious leaders and questioned them, or in a sense, straightened them out. Samuel proclaimed God's word as a prophet and Jesus is the great prophet who fulfilled and declared God's holy word. Samuel was a priest who served Israel through intercession and prayer. And Jesus, my friends, is our great high priest who intercedes on our behalf to our heavenly father. Samuel was the final judge of that era, introducing the realm of the kings. Jesus is the final judge who all, will stand before, and the great King of kings 
and Lord of Lords. So you cannot think about the faith of Samuel without thinking about Hannah and without thinking about our great Savior, Jesus Christ. A life of faith seeks to live for the glory of God. What's up, guys? Brian here again. Just wanted to say thanks again for tuning in to today's episode. You can check out this full message at PastorBrianRalph.com or Apple Podcasts or Spotify Podcasts. Keep the Faith is a ministry of Clearbrook Baptist Church in Roanoke, Virginia. If you're free one Sunday or Wednesday, we'd love for you to join us for worship. Until next time, God bless. I'm gonna walk by, I'm gonna keep my, I'm gonna live by faith. I'm gonna walk by, I'm gonna keep my, I'm gonna live by faith. Keep the faith, keep the faith, keep the faith, keep the faith.